I'm Ethan Whitehill, President and Chief Creative Officer at Crux, and this is To The Point, a brand new podcast by Crux, the Unagency. Through this podcast, in our work, we strive to fuel business growth by elevating brands and amplifying missions. My guest today is Tim Webster. He is the founder and CEO and chairman of Heirloom Brands and Farmer Direct Foods, a fast-growing, wholesome food brand based in Kansas City. Tim also serves as Managing Director for Bomar Holdings and Growth Consulting and Investments, LLC. Bomar Holdings is a private investment partnership seeking control investments in high-potential companies, and Growth Consulting assists clients with strategic planning, organizational development, financial and operating performance, capital raising, and has a unique approach to improving return on capital. Tim will be sharing insights on growing successful brands, selecting the perfect investment, and emerging consumer trends for 2023. Tim, welcome to The Point. Thank you. I'm excited to be here this morning. (laughs) It's great to have you. You have had an illustrious career, and you've actually had an interesting beginning. We were just talking earlier about how you got into maybe this entrepreneurial spirit, and uh, I'd love you to share that story. Sure. I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. Two of my grandparents started businesses. Both of my parents started businesses, and I knew I didn't necessarily want to work in the family business, so I always admired my dad's nose for opportunity. He would travel around the world and come back with products and become the exclusive U.S. distributor. That included French Quill toothpicks. We were the exclusive U.S. distributor of Fino Monza racing boats, Italian cigarette boats, which was a pretty cool thing. The one I was uh, giggling about this morning was he was on the Queen Mary going across to London and they had padded toilet seats on that boat. And he decided that we should be selling those. And so one summer in high school, my job was to drive around with cushioned toilet seats, cushioned soft, and try to sell those to restaurants, hotels, consumers. And that really is the very humble beginnings of my exposure in consumer products and entrepreneurship. Growing up around entrepreneurs and seeing the thrill of building things was really what shaped me. So after a few years of working in professional services, I got the opportunity to be a part of the founding management team at American Italian Pasta Company, which grew into the largest pasta producer in the U.S. So working with a mentor who had been the president of Kellogg Foods really got the chance to learn the business as a very young general manager, kind of soup to nuts. And so although my original origins were in professional services, I fancy myself as a uh, reformed financial person and uh, a marketer at heart, which is really where it all began. So thinking about that experience, what is it about the CPG world that really got you excited? We have a a common colleague who works in the digital space, and that's a different world. I like working with physical products. I like making things. I like building things. And I like the opportunity to see what I'm selling in stores, in restaurants. So I'm definitely an Adam and not a bit person. (laughs) Uh, And so... uh, For me, it's like a perpetual Rubik's Cube that you're working on, and I never get bored with that. And your latest puzzle is Heirloom Brands, and and you are actually uh, launching, or you have recently launched, Farmer Direct Foods. Let's talk about that a little bit. We formed Heirloom Brands in March of 2022 with a group of my partners in Bomar Holdings, which is an investment partnership we'll probably get to in a minute. But we also attracted a number of folks that had experience working in sustainable agriculture, and that's really the focus of what we're doing with Heirloom Brands and Farmer Direct Foods. So 
Heirloom was formed as a capital funding mechanism to do acquisitions and to build brands. So our first action within Heirloom Brands was to acquire Farmer Direct Foods. Farmer Direct is a really cool business. I encourage everyone to take a look at our website and follow us on the various social platforms. It's a very noble endeavor. Farmer Direct was founded by a group of farmers 30 years ago to promote and build demand for white wheat grown in central and western Kansas. And their belief was that that white wheat was going to be a revolutionary force in the market, allowing you to have whole grain nutritional benefits with the great taste of more traditionally refined products. And then there's also aspects of what we're doing that relate to water conservation. So all of those things we really feel good about as investors because we're bringing something of unique value to the consumer. We're bringing more economic value to the farmers and we're taking care of the earth. And the folks that I'm partners with have all had big success. And we really like the idea of doing good while doing well. We don't think the two things have to be mutually exclusive. What you're describing sounds a little bit like conscious capitalism to me mm-hmm. yes. uh, in terms of the, the triple bottom line and, and doing the right things. And that was a conversation before the pandemic. It seems like it's even more relevant post pandemic. Mm-hmm. Maybe talk about that a little bit. Like how has the world changed and why is it ready for you know this kind of a brand? And, and I'm going to circle back a little bit to the founding of Bomar. Bomar is a Kansas City-based investment partnership of 10 business owners of varying backgrounds and industries. And that group coalesced around the idea of putting our talents together and investing our capital in control investments because we didn't love buying the Dow at 36000 which seems like a pretty smart call today uh, <laughs> back in 2018. Uh, so uh, we're active investors and experienced capital unlocking uh, opportunities. Opportunities. And we sold a company that I was involved in in 2018, and I dedicated myself to this effort of finding businesses for this group to own. And we quickly found that sustainability was a sector that we really liked. We owned two brands in the insulated drinkware competing with Yeti and Hydroflask and Swell called EcoVessel. And EcoVessel acquired a brand called You Can Serve. And we really loved that business. We found that we were doing the right thing and being able to do it with highly engineered, better quality products was very fruitful. We then began to think, how else can our sustainability thesis be applied? And I found myself going all the way back to the beginning of my career in grain-based foods. And we've looked at a number of acquisitions, but what we believe is you get the security and safety of value investing when you're talking about agriculture and feeding people. Those are not industries that are going away, but do Doing them in a way that is sustainable and friendly and being good stewards of the future for our kids and grandkids can align with really good investments. So we found ourselves very quickly aligned and excited. We attracted some other folks to the team, Haley Nelson Eckert, whose grandfather, Joe Hale, ran ADM Milling and Hale Arena, Hale Library, K-State. So big, deep roots in Kansas wheat farming and milling. John Stout at Plaza Belmont, who's made a career investing in these type of food businesses, were attracted to this thesis. So we expanded our group a little bit to bring people that really bring expertise as well as capital. And we're just really excited about where we're headed. And why is the time right for consumers with this brand? I think I observe my children who are in their 20s and 30s being very attuned not just to what they're putting in their body, but how products are created and where they come from. So conscious capitalism, I also think there's conscious consumerism that is a growing trend. And 
my two cents as kind of a grumpy old guy is we all need to wake up a little bit because we're doing some really destructive things. But as a marketer, I think there's emerging consumer awareness and conscientiousness about buying products, supporting brands that stand for something that are doing the right thing, doing things the right way. So I think the time's right here because people are paying attention to what they're eating, what they're putting in their body, where it came from, how it was grown. One of the attributes I think I skipped over at Farmer Direct is we have traceability back to the seed variety, to the farm it was grown on, the growing conditions. And I think over time, that's going to be something in the original origin of traceability. It was more around proteins and things that could really make you sick. But I think people really love the comfort and Vital Farms is a brand that I really admire where they can tell you the the chicken coop that your egg came out of. And I think consumers are, are skeptical by legitimate experience and they're hungry for that kind of deep connectivity and trust that brands like ours can convey. So thinking about the PNGs of the world, they have machines to launch brands. Small businesses, startups, they don't have that same machine necessarily. So what advice do you have for anybody who's launching a brand? Well, I'd love for them to send me their advice. Uh, so, um, first off, our team at Heirloom and Farmer Direct are an incredible collection of like-minded enthusiasts who share the passion for what we're doing. And I think that becomes a sort of magnetic field that is a critical part of it as you start to interface with customers and growers and consumers and the like. So a big part of that relates to that. But but effectively, Farmer Direct Foods has historically been a supplier of on an OEM basis to best flower brand in the business, King Arthur Baking. And one of the ways that our brand is getting some awareness now is that King Arthur has announced that their brand will be 100% regeneratively grown by 2030. And that we're one of at this time, I think it's two of their vendors out of many that they're highlighting as being on the front edge of regenerative agriculture. So in this case, we're benefiting from already having a customer that's making a lot of impact in the market and they're including us in those communications. I think probably most important of all is to have a very tightly defined target market and then to have a compelling offering. And one of the dilemmas that I see in every brand I've worked on is you start to feel very repetitive very quickly when you're repeating the same message over and over again. But that drumbeat that you're playing over and over and over again is resonating out into a very crowded universe of signals and messages and channels. And so you have to stick to that. And your firm's done an incredible job of helping us refine that message so that it is clear, compelling. And our group is really excited about carrying that out there. And the response we're getting is really positive. What are the things that you're seeing on the horizon here that will influence maybe not just your industry, but also just consumers in general that we need to pay attention to? I think emerging trends are this level of awareness and desire to understand more about the products, deeper engagement with brands, perhaps than just, hey, grandma used this, mom used this. I think innovation is a is a huge Part. I think if you are not bringing something interesting and new, that's a gate. One of the big retailers that we got some really positive signaling from this week said the reason we're serious about bringing you guys in and bringing all four of your products, uh, our initial lineup is actually four of the five into their stores uh, in the short term related to the fact that it was fresh and new and different and it supports their ESG goals. So ESG is probably one of the things that may or may not yet fully be a consumer trend, 
but it's definitely on the minds of the businesses that we're interfacing with, both retailers and baking food service companies. So helping those companies achieve their ESG goals in terms of environmental, social governance, that's a trend that's definitely driving what's being purchased on a B2B basis. And then that's what consumers are going to get exposed to. And at the same time, consumers are becoming increasingly aware of that. Sustainability, consumer awareness, 85%. Can they be specific about what that means in ag? Not really. Do they know what regenerative means? Probably only a quarter of them today. But I think that'll be a very different number in two, three, four, five years. Thinking about inflation, like what's on your radar? How do you think that's going to impact demand and, and what consumers are looking for? It's a great question. And above my pay grade on terms of what inflation means, I think it's going to be, there's going to be some demand destruction. There's going to be rotation into cheaper products. Those are the simple answers. But I also think maybe the consumer has, I remember listening to a case study about Ben and Jerry's and Haagen-Dazs and those types of products. And they were actually doing quite well in the last economic downturn because people still wanted indulgences. They still wanted special occasions. And if they could get one for four or five bucks, as opposed to 40, 50 or 500 bucks, that those brands held up pretty well. They essentially trade the big luxuries for the little luxuries. And, yeah. and we, that's what I w- I'm happy to be a little luxury. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to shift gears here, thinking about the investment side of what you do. You've invested in several successful brands throughout the years. And for those looking to get started in investing or for those startups and entrepreneurs who may be looking for investors, what are some of the key metrics that you look for when considering investment? Going back to something I said earlier, a really tightly defined target market with a compelling, irresistible offering that gives you reason to believe that you can take and gain market share over time. Most simplistically, a high return on invested capital, which means the business generates cash more than it requires reinvestment. That typically relates to either compelling brand or intellectual property or proprietary trade secrets, those kinds of things that allow the product or the service or the offering to stand out and have a sustaining uh, point of difference. We like, and our original thesis, uh, I got to be thoughtful about the word choice because we have some internal stuff that we giggle about. Um, <laughs> no people that we find irritating. You can guess what that, uh, uh, that, that's criteria number one. It has to be fun. It has to meet a meaningful mission and, and purpose. It has to be relatively easy to understand. And, you know, we have some partners that are super sophisticated running some of the most complex and front edge, leading edge businesses in Kansas City. But our group as a as a collective like things that are more basic, more easily understood, good people, good systems, solid internal counting controls, scalability. Those those are kind of the things that were on our our criteria list. My partners tease me. I fall in love very quickly with business opportunities because I start to envision what I think we could do as a team with the business. So we have a collective in our group that I'm sort of the gas and Dr. Yes, and we have the brake pedal and Dr. No and different. Uh, <laughs> That's your inherited entrepreneurial. Right, ADD, I right. <laughs> I like, put, put me in, coach. Yeah. You know, put me in. And I love to work on businesses and I love to try to identify the opportunities. So I fancy myself more as an operator than an investor but have a group of partners that really complement that. And we're looking for things. We're not a traditional investment fund. We don't have a life. We don't, we're not trying to flip it in three to five years. We're really looking for long-term 
sustainable businesses that generate free cash flow. And we have the next generation in our partnership includes a bunch of people working in e-commerce and consumer products and different professional services. So if we find something that we love and we see long-term opportunity, we're in no rush to do anything other than try to support it and let it reach its natural full potential. I imagine you're probably fixing a lot of problems too when you get into these companies. What are some of the common obstacles or pitfalls that that young companies could should avoid? Yeah, it's it's a really a great question. There's just so many distractions and in consumer products at least the world has really shifted to be less advantageous for entrepreneurial startups. In the old days, the retailers knew that part of their job was to bring new products to market, and they veered away from that. So you have to compete with Procter & Gamble head-to-head. There's no longer a specialty distributor section in every section of the grocery store where there's little seedlings being grown up because consumers want to see new things. That's really changed, and, and Amazon and other forces have created more level playing fields, but you also got to compete. And if you don't, you're not going to be there. I think in food in particular, there are some amazing RX bars, Sir Kensington, there's some amazing multi-hundred million dollar success stories, but there's a thousand fatalities out there that would at least, I'd say, be careful and try to make sure you surround yourself with resources that can help so that you can stay focused on the things that you do that are truly unique. Focus. Good word. You're doing a lot of things. You know, we've discussed at least four or five companies that you're involved with. As a business leader, you're wearing multiple hats. What's your secret to managing everything you're doing? All those spinning plates. The number one thing is the people that you associate yourself with. And in, in our team at Heirloom, they would be self-sufficient if I just disappeared tomorrow. They're highly <laughs> capable people. So Let's hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, I, amen. <laughs> amen. But, but my, my point is that in order to be involved in multiple things, they can't be such that my involvement on a day-to-day basis is required in order for the basics to happen. So I have a, a great group of people that I work around. I love to work. I work a lot. But I I don't want to imply that I have any magical system. It's more instinctive going where I sense the opportunities are overlaid against a very disciplined calendar of weekly management meetings that are subject matter functionally focused. And then uh, empowering Haley and Ben and Haley and Jacob and Julie and Keaton and the team there to get done what they need to get done. And they know they can call me 24-7 if they think they have a problem or they've identified a new opportunity. And then just having a, a, a desire to move in and out of multiple environments, which I find very stimulating, but have to be able to pack up my lunchbox and, and leave it there uh, <laughs> after the board meeting and go back to my my main focus, which is heirloom and farmer direct. Yeah. I love the variety, frankly. Yeah. You know, you yeah. get it's easy to get in ruts. The origins of Bomar Holdings, our investment partnership, is the Kansas City chapter of the Young Presidents Organization. And that organization was built because it's lonely at the top. And it's great to be able to get together with other people that are running businesses and and share your challenges, your fears, the things you don't want to tell your team that you're worried about, but you want to make sure you understand what other leaders are doing. So I have built over the last 40 years a network here that I'm incredibly grateful for. And that network funded Bomar and encouraged me to seek building another couple of businesses or two during my career. And that network is incredibly important so that when problems arise, you don't feel alone. And the ability to handle multiple things, 
I think we're fast in problem solving and fast in getting our team in front of the right people because we've got this incredible network around us. Because I know you, you're you adaptive and you, you adjust very quickly. I'm going to throw a random question. Yes, sir. This is something we do as part of the podcast. 20 questions that I have. I have a 20-sided dice in my okay. hand. I'm actually going to roll this and okay. whatever question comes up is what we're going to have you answer. So what is the best concert you've ever been to? That's an easy one. Fleetwood Mac was playing at the Unidome in uh, Cedar Falls, Iowa. And we were at the front door, GA, and ended up on the floor with our hands on the stage, mesmerized by Stevie Nicks, Lindsey Buckingham, <laughs> and uh, the gang there. So I've seen the Stones many times, Springsteen a couple times, seen some great concerts. I, I'm an old school rock and roller, but uh, that Fleetwood Mac concert was unlike anything else. Awesome. Well, Tim, thank you. For, thank you. That's for fun. sharing all of this with us today. If our listeners want to learn more about Heirloom Brands, Farmer Direct Foods, Bow Market Holdings, or Growth Consulting, where do they go? I'd encourage them to follow Heirloom Brands and Farmer Direct Foods on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, the social media platforms. And Bomar and Growth Consulting are the, the back office partner, investment partnerships. So not that interesting, really interesting <laughs> people involved, but uh, I'd encourage them to follow us at Farmer Direct Foods. And if you like what you see, spread the word. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for getting to the point with us. For more information about Crux, you can find us at cruxkc.com and on social at Find Your Crux. 